What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Did You Hear? I'm Emma Houghton alongside Patrick Zhang, and thank you so much for tuning into episode one. We've got some awesome baseball content for episode two, and Pat and I are super excited to get things going. But Pat, how's it going? How's your week been on this Tuesday? Everything's good, and yeah, we appreciate all the support that we saw this week. It really meant a lot to us. We're so excited to really launch this thing and get going now as we get into episode two. But I mean, everything's great because it's it's Steve Cohen Day. So I mean, <laughs> what what could possibly be wrong with the world when that's happening? We have so much to get into. Two huge conferences today for both of us personally as Mets fans and Red Sox fans, respectively. So yeah, that was kind of a a positive coincidence, I guess you could say. <laughs> nice to see that, Boston and New York get together like that. Exactly. See, we're always finding ways to get that positivity there. Um, yes, if you but, haven't recovered from the Jets-Patriots game on Monday night. <laughs> truly. The fact that people were saying what a good game that was was actually embarrassing to me because it was a close game, there but you it was go. not a good game. That is how you classify it. It was a Please. close game. That was not enjoyable to watch <laughs> exactly. for the neutral fan. But we've been, we kind of called it last week, as soon as the baseball free agency was even broached in episode one, we knew we wanted to talk about that from there. So we're going to talk about the MLB free agency. Of course, it's not anything like any other Power Five sport in free agency. It's slow moving. It's all about big contracts. It's all about qualifying offers. So I'm super excited to get into it. Once again, please make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. And Pat, I'm going to throw it to you. We're going to separate this, this, the baseball segment of this podcast into both of our most interesting free agents to watch this offseason and our most interesting team to watch. And of course, once we get through our big baseball segment, we'll go as always to our second and last segment of the show. The craziest number we've heard this week where we'll do some quick hitters about other sports happenings around the sports world. But once again, we're probably not going to focus on the biggest free agent names in baseball just because we want to bring you the stats and the numbers and the storylines. You won't hear anything else. So with all that being said, Pat, let's hear it. Who is your most interesting free agent in the 2020-2021 offseason? Yeah, so this should be a really fun offseason. And as you said, a really interesting one because of all the things that go into it with a pandemic world and baseball in that. So an important thing to, to think about, too, is that we don't even know all the people that are going to be free agents until after December 2nd, because that's the non-tender deadline for, for clubs. So we're going to see even more players available once that comes out in about a month. But as we're going from right now, like we said, we don't want to pick from kind of that top bucket of Bauer, Real Muto, Springer. So a player that I'm watching that I think has a chance to really impact a pennant race next year is Didi Gregorius. Now, Gregorius was, we know what happened. He was the heir apparent in New York. They traded for him from Arizona to replace Derek Jeter. And he did a really, really good job there over five years in the Bronx, almost a hundred home runs, a very serviceable shortstop. And he filled the role of replacing Derek Jeter, which was something that not many people would be able to do. Went to Philly last year on a one-year $14 million contract, kind of because the market never materialized for him. And he was really, really good and key there 
for Joe Girardi. I mean, looking at the the normal numbers for average, 284, which was the best he had hit since 2017, a 340 on base percentage, the best he ever hit in his career. And what's really important to look at is OPS Plus. Uh, for those that don't know what OPS Plus is, it basically rates how good of a hitter you are, and 100 is league average. He came in at 119. 119 also coming in at a premium position in shortstop. Like, just a key, key player. I think there's a decent chance he comes back to the Phillies. They loved him. Girardi loves him. It's also interesting to note that this is a pretty good shortstop market out there this winter. Andrelton Simmons, Marcus Simeon, um, the big fish of the entire offseason, Francisco Lindor, Mm -hmm. possibly through the trade market. Um, And next year's class is even better. So clubs may wait on a shortstop. But if you're looking for a guy that he's he's going into his age 31 season that's going to contribute you can basically bat him anywhere from you know two through six in your order he's got a chance to make a big impact somewhere as more of a supplemental piece yeah I like that you choose Didi there and that you had so many good stuff that you brought up the one-year deals are basically these ways for players to prove themselves before getting a multi-year deal not that Didi was fading into the shadows but he came after Jeter, all the eyes were on him. He performed, and then as those years went on in New York, he definitely wasn't the best player on that team. He kind of faded a little bit. Came onto the scene in Philadelphia, and now he's definitely earned himself another big contract with the team to be their starting shortstop. But talk about that. Is it the big five next year for shortstops? Correa, Story, Lindor actually when his contract ends but it'll he'll get traded before that uh who am i missing uh cory seager yeah becomes Corey a seager, free agent World Series mvp next year as well and yeah. i believe we are missing just one yeah, uh, tra- yeah it's, it, javier bias was the yeah, last one javier bias yeah so it, it's a ridiculous class next year now i have a feeling francisco lindor will not be a part of that because i think he will be traded this offseason and signed to an extension but you hear the numbers for or just the the names of the guys who are going to be available next year and it's kind of crazy but as i said if you're shopping in a in a lower end market um and trying to take advantage especially of depressed salaries which you could see this winter you know with the with the coronavirus going on Gregorius is a great guy to invest in, especially the fact, like I said, going into age 31 season, he's not 35, he's not 36. So you can sign him for three or four years where you should get some really good quality out of him. He's definitely a guy I would look at if you're lacking at shortstop. So why him out of all of the free agents on this list that we have this season? What what makes him your impact guy? Just, you know, looking around the league, I'd say one of my second choice, my second choice for most interesting would be Angelson Simmons with kind of what he's done in LA. Uh, You know, he's the best fielding shortstop in the game, and he's really improved on his his hitting numbers. Looking around, though, there are definitely some other guys that can make an impact with the bat. I mean, Jock Peterson is going to be a volatile one, where if you get really good Jock, you have the chance to sign someone that's got a lot of offensive potential to a lower deal. Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, do we know what Jackie Bradley Jr. is even like six, seven years into his major nope. league career? <laughs> As a Red Sox fan, no, we do not. I just, I, I feel like he fluctuates so much, so you don't know what you're getting there. So he's got a chance to make a huge impact or do absolutely nothing. Uh, the uh, the pitching market, especially looking at starters, I mean, what, you've got Bauer, you've got Stroman, Charlie Morton's an interesting one, James Paxton, mm-hmm. Tuan Walker, Masahiro Tanaka. Odorizzi. 
Odorizzi. It's not star-studded no, <laughs> by, no, by any not. means. So just, just looking up and down that, I think that there is more of a chance that an offensive player at least in my eyes, is, is going to be able to make a huge impact from this class. Again, leaving Trevor Bauer out of this, though I could talk about Bauer as well. Um, so that's why I kind of lean uh, to Gregorius. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I think he, like I said, I think he earned himself another few solid years because of how well he did with the Phillies. And a lot of these, first of all, what I wanted to say is a lot of these free agents are above age 30. Which is just ah, that's something I had of... too. You don't have the young free agent right. this year. There isn't that guy. <laughs> I mean, literally, the youngest I saw in the first couple relevant ones was Jack Peterson, and he's yeah. 28 or 29. Yeah, there, there is no 27, 28-year-old right. that is a star on the right. market this year. So it, it's it's a different market. So that, that automatically makes it interesting because you're not going to see any of those nine-year deals or... 12-year deals with Mike Trout, all that crazy stuff. Mookie Betts, same thing. But the other thing I was going to say about, I think, a generalization about this free agency class, if these offers aren't accepted by these players, a lot of teams will be the worst for wear. I think the Phillies are in a tough spot if they don't have Didi back. I think the Yankees are in a tough spot if they don't have DJ LeMahieu back. So... Didi certainly wants to test the the free free agency market. Did you say what team you think would be a good fit for him? I mean, I have a feeling he ends up back with the Phillies. Yeah, I just I, that is a tough void to fill. They've struggled at shortstop for a while, and he really came in and filled that really well. Now it'll be interesting to see if they can reallocate those funds, you know, for Real Muto and Gregorius. Yeah. That's where I think things can get That's really why I, interesting. I think I think Didi will fall as the the piece that they just can't make if J, if JT is their priority. Yeah. So MLB trade rumors actually has him going to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which you know, and, and a young and up and coming team that could be an interesting fit there for Didi. But I I, I do think, especially when he was a rookie there in, in 2012, he only played eight games, but it would be a homecoming for him, I guess. <laughs> um, so I, my my overall guess is that he ends up back with the Phillies. Yeah, I like the Angels too. If Simmons leaves, yes, Simmons would have to leave. Yep, replacement there. All right, interesting. Didi definitely wouldn't have been my top guy off the board, but I do think he's an impact player. He's also a good bat for the middle of the lineup. Some easy stability there in a lot of these lineups across the league. Are you ready for my most interesting free agent? Let's do it. And I'm sure I'm sure you'll agree once I say it. The (laughs) most interesting free agent this offseason, is Liam Hendricks, and I don't think it's particularly close. And my did you hear, Pat, is that he was unclaimed on waivers by 29 teams, and later that same season, he had won an All-Star nomination. That was in 2019. That's crazy. Liam Hendricks was designated for assignment back in 2018. He had an over-7 ERA through 11 innings. He was able to rework things so drastically by the end of 2019 that he won himself an all-star. So he's able to say, all these teams that didn't claim me, you're freaking bad because look where I am now. He's going to make a lot of money, especially in this relatively weak relief pitcher market that we have going on. It's also, he's Australian, which I didn't know. He turns 32 in February. You got to love that. Yeah, I didn't realize he was Australian, which is cool. But I see... 
obviously relief pitchers and closers specifically are always a hot button topic for these teams. I was running through my head before we started of the bonafide closers that we can name right now. And I'll tell you who I thought of who are still there. Chapman on the Yankees, Kenley Jansen on the Dodgers, who already is kind of getting, you know, coaxed out of that, I guess you could say. Brad Hand left in Cleveland. Kirby Yates could get traded. Brandon Workman is very bad on the Phillies. I mean, uh, Ken Giles on the Blue Jays. I don't have a a ton more off the top of my head. So having somebody like Henricks who can go in and absolutely turn a bullpen around, especially in close games. I have some pretty cool numbers on bullpen usage too for this past season. Last year, six of the seven top bullpens based on ERA numbers went on to the playoffs. So if you had the best bullpen in baseball, you made it to the playoffs. I'm talking about the Rays. I'm talking about the Dodgers. Even the Yankees have one of the best bullpens in baseball. And relievers accounted for 45% of regular season innings pitched. So I think bullpens are the most important part of the game. You need the batters in the lineup, obviously. You need a good defense. You need a good starting rotation. But bad bullpens lose games. You saw it with the Phillies this year. You saw it with the Red Sox this year. And that's why I think Hendricks is the most impactful player on this free agent market. Yeah, he, he's absolutely the most impactful reliever. And it's this, as you said, the, the market's not great for relievers this year. And I think relievers are actually going to be the most punished position financially out of anyone. We already know how volatile, you know, relievers can be season, season over season. And now going into this, you know, this financial market, I'm not sure that anyone is going to get a huge contract, even Hendricks. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I think he'll be the highest paid of them, but still, what's that number going to be? Yeah. And especially, what's that median value going to end up being? Um, but for Hendricks, I mean, you're 100% right on, on his value and how good he's been. One of the one of the biggest stats to look at for pitchers is, is FIP, which kind of takes into account your ERA, but adjusts it to how your fielders are. So, you know, th- sometimes pitchers can get really lucky and have an ERA, say, of two, but a, a true ERA kind of, of in the fours. His is, in 2019 was 1.87, and this year it was a ridiculous 1.14. That's insane. That means it, you're not making solid contact off no. of him. Uh, the whip was was under 0.7 this year. He, he had an as great a year as you can hope for going into free agency. Yeah, it, that's exactly right, and that's why the importance of all these small deals, you see it with... Didi probably getting, you know, closer to a one-year deal than the alternative. Trevor Bauer had said before potentially winning the Cy Young that he wants to sign one-year deals going into free agency just to test the market. He had a monster year that will probably earn him that mega-year deal. Hendricks, same thing. I just think in terms of his his strikeout per nine, it's 13.1 Ks through nine innings since 2019 two walks per nine innings since 2019, less than half a home run over mm-hmm. nine innings since 2019. You don't see that with Aroldis Chapman. And, that, no, was, and th- that was the Yankees' biggest problem in the postseason. And that's exactly where I was going to go next with Hendricks. And Hendricks gave up one home run this season. Yeah. Yes, I understand it was a 60-game season, but he gave up one. And in, in an era of baseball where homers just fly out of the park, that is absolutely gargantuan especially for a guy in your back end of the bullpen like that 
Yeah. So and I, where, I just, where do you think he ends up? I would love for the Red Sox to have him. Yeah. Because like I said, that was their biggest. The Red Sox had a lot of problems last year, but bullpen was, I think, their most glaring. I think the Phillies have a gigantic need for them. The, I think the Mets a, have a gigantic yeah. need for them, for him. Uh, the Nats, the White Sox, the Astros mm-hmm. don't have Azuna anymore. The Dodgers could make a play for him because they're not fully trusting of Kenley Jansen anymore. I think it's going to be, and you alluded to it with just the financial aspect of this all and the COVID aspect of this all with thinking about how these are humans making their change across the country amidst the pande- pandemic and all that. But I really think he's going to go to the team who will give him the most money who has the most problems in the bullpen that he can immediately fix. I'm just thinking about last season, Matt Barnes and the Red Sox had to transition to that closer role because we dealt Brandon Workman to the Phillies, which ended up blowing up in the Phillies' face. But if Barnes can circle back to this bridge guy and Hendricks can come in, it just immediately elevates any ball ball club that he goes to because you have a rock in the ninth inning that you can count on. So that means you can hold small leads throughout the game because you don't have any worry. Definitely. The the only thing I can guarantee you is that he's not going to end up back in Oakland because they are not right. going to pay. <laughs> They're no, not going to pay him. Won't. Which is unfortunate well, because he was a is. huge part. And I think this was Oakland's year with – actually, it could be in the future because Houston's really declining, which we, we'll get into some free agents there, I'm sure, soon. But – Oakland has a chance to really turn the AL West in their favor, and I'm not sure how good they're going to be without Hendricks in the future. No, I, I agree. Towards the top of the list, I do think the Red Sox make a ton of sense, but where I do think he ends up is one of the teams you did mention, and that's the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Just Jerry Reinsdorf does not have a choice but to back Tony Larusa at mm-hmm. this point. Oh my gosh, Pat, all the news that have come yes. out about LaRusa since. Not not yeah. not good. So yesterday it came out that LaRusa did um was arrested for a DUI, has not been convicted of it yet. Um but Team he was knew arrested about it. for it. He did, yes, he did, and the White Sox knew about it as well. Yep. Um so we'll see how that story progresses. But as it stands right now, I'm going to assume that LaRusa is still the White Sox manager. Uh Reinsdorf doesn't have a choice. He has to go out and kind of back him because it's just so bizarre. And he has, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has to add to that team to, to really support Larusa, And I think the bullpen would be a place to do it. Um, Alex Colomay actually had a pretty decent season, but he is also a free agent this year. Right. There's definitely a chance he goes back to Chicago, but I, I think that Hendricks makes a ton of sense there for a team kind of on the rise. If they're looking for, like you said, that lockdown guy at the end, at the back end of the pen, Hendricks would, would really work for the White Sox. Yeah, and another plug to our first episode. Right now, Pat and I are four for four in terms of MLB award. Not bad. Picks, not bad at all. Not, not, but not um, you brought up the White Sox. I think they, maybe not without a doubt, but they made a ton of splashes last season in free agency. And mm. I think they could do the same this year. But they are not my most interesting team to watch. Hmm. I want to hear your most interesting team first. <laughs> well, I, I would have loved to have gone away from it because they are my team. But for, for me, it just has to be them. It, it is the New York Mets, especially under their their new stewardship here. 
with Steve Cohen, with Sandy Alderson coming in. And, you know, for, for all the, everything that's been talked about with the Mets and not spending money, uh, the did you hear, my did you hear will refer to money. My first one is, did you hear $14 billion? Mm-hmm. And that would be the net worth of Steve Cohen coming in as the new owner. But more, more baseball wise, did you hear is that they're currently $79 million under the competitive balance tax. $79 million. That gives Cohen this and this new administration so much room to maneuver under it and to be able to make improvements. I mean, looking at it this year too, this is the perfect time for Cohen to come in. David Wright's contract's off the books. Yohannes Cespedes' contract's off the off the books. Jed Lowry's two-year albatross is off the books now. God, I uh, forgot about them. Two years, $20 million for Jed Lowry for, I believe, like six six appearances or six <laughs> at-bats. Not even, he never started a game. Uh, Wilson Ramos was bought out. So a lot of money was coming off the books anyway. So he can kind of reshape this roster as he wants. And looking at it, you know, it's not like the Mets are exactly in the worst position talent-wise. I mean, that that lineup was one of the better ones in baseball this year. Pete Alonso had a down year, but still hit a ton of home runs. Dom Smith was incredible. Jeff McNeil is, is just a fantastic player that can play a bunch of different positions. And Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher on the planet. Mm. So th- they have pieces in place. And now with, with Cohen in charge and a true baseball person and Sandy Alderson running the, the day-to-day operations, and they're still yet to hire a general manager, um, which should come out probably within the next week. Uh, it's it's an incredibly exciting time to be a Mets fan, especially if you heard Steve Cohen's press conference today. Yeah, I want to get into that too. That number actually blows me away because they're in such a potent market like New York. Why aren't they spending? <laughs> and, and this is the year. I mean, I got... so. Pat and I both watched the Steve Cohen presser today where he was introduced as the owner and the CEO of the Mets. I got the same type of vibes before tuning in as, I can't remember the guy's name, the Phillies new owner who got introduced last year where he said, I'm going to spend stupid money. Was it Middleton? Oh, uh, John, John Middleton. Yeah, John Middleton. I thought that was going to be Steve Cohen's attitude going into this press conference, and I think it is because I think they're going to make a play at every single top free agent this offseason. But I was surprised with how likable Steve Cohen is. I really was. I, I can tell you as a Met fan, he's incredibly likable after that that press conference. But yeah, listen, I think what what you get from watching that conference was you got a lot of honesty. And that's just not something that we're used to getting, especially from owners of professional sports teams. You know, usually you don't see or hear from them. You know, they they stay behind a curtain other than, you know, a select few like Mark Cuban and such. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not normal for these Jerry guys. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's not normal for these guys to be out there like that. I mean, he's he's tweeting from his own Twitter account um, and, and responding to fans as well. Like this is not it's not normal protocol, which is really refreshing. But just to and then to quickly, you know, respond to to your first question, they just didn't spawn, spend because the the Wilpon family refused to do it. Now they were their biggest thing was that they were very tight with Bernie Madoff. So when that whole thing went down, they were basically bankrupt and still found a way to to run the team. I mean, they had to take out multiple loans to be able to even keep the team afloat. So it's shocking that they were able to stay as Mets owners for this long. 
But to have those financial constraints lifted, and it's not just about player payroll. It's about paying the best staff. It's about establishing infrastructure for the minor leagues. It's about developing talent. They weren't able to do that under the Wilpon regime. Steve Cohen opens all of that up to be possible. Yeah, it helps that he's a bajillionaire. Yeah, like I said, $14 doesn't hurt. No, definitely not. But I think, no, you're right. It's a really good time to be a Mets fan. There are a lot of good players to go after. Something I want to talk about before we get into the the biggest catch of this uh, this presser, which was the Mets are going to win soon. He focused a lot on development, internal development. And specifically, I'm not going to say the exact quote, but he's more focused on internally developing players so that they can be good always. And when they're competing in the moment, they can make one play and get a, get a, get a difference maker at the trade deadline. But that really stuck out to me because all these owners talk about wanting to develop good farm systems, blah, blah, blah. But I think the Mets have a real shot to be good year after year after year if they can get that farm system to a place where they can just groom this talent. You've seen it with the Dodgers, and Steve Cohen said that he wants to emulate the system that the Dodgers has. And that's one way to do it, to have a really good farm system and then to make plays at the trade deadline. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things he said was that, you know, you can go out and spend as much as you want, but you might end up hamstringing the team five years from now. And what's the point of that? You might be good for a year. You might be good for two. But he's he literally said, I don't want to be bad for three Mm -hmm. after that. And he's right. So the the point is, do I think he's going to spend? Yeah, I do. Do I think he's going to go insane spending? I I don't because I think he wants to be able to sustain this thing and still have some flexibility to go out there. His biggest thing was that if there is an obvious move that needs to be made, he has the uh, financial ability to go out and do it. And that was something that this team didn't have before. Yeah, it's a very practical approach. And with all that being said, Steve Cohen said he wants to win a World Series in the next three to five years. Pat, who do the need? Who do the, who? Excuse me. Who do the Mets need to get this off season to make that wish come true? I I cannot believe first off that he actually said that. I I was just like mouth wide open when he actually went there. Jaw dropped. It, pr- pretty much. Um. What? So th- this off season's interesting. So I think that for I do think the Mets get one of the premier guys this uh, this winter. And for me, my guess is that's going to be George Springer. Mm. to man man center field and that gives you corner outfielders of michael conforto and brandon nimmo and you can play jeff mcneil out there you can play jd davis out in a corner as well they're neither of them are very good fielders they're good with the bat but if you go with an established three of springer conforto nimmo i think you get pretty excited about that they obviously need pitching because that was their the, just the worst thing for them. It's starting pitching was a train wreck this past season. So I think so much Ma- so because of injuries, though. Yes, Thinking yes. About no. a healthy Mets rotation is very scary. Oh, it's true. Listen, Syndergaard tore tore his UCL and was was out for the season with Tommy John surgery. Stroman initially got hurt and then opted out for the season. Right. So it, it it's tough to fully blame them for that. But I think bringing Stroman back would be would be really important i'm interested he's got a chance to accept the qualifying offer mm. um so we'll see what that decision actually has to come soon so we'll see what he says there um and then for external i i don't think they go after trevor bauer though i will say it's possible because they you know they do have the money for it now i really like the idea of a guy like charlie morton as a possibility to come in on a one maybe two year deal the and really help in the rotation exactly help establish 
the back end of the uh, of the rotation. And then kind of guys we talked about before, I don't know if Masahiro Tanaka is the guy, but a Jake Odorizzi or a Jose Quintana. Again, I think those are guys that have been around for a little while. They're established and they can help fill out the back end of the bullpen with more quality with the back end of the bullpen, the back end of the rotation mm-hmm. with uh, with more quality than the Mets fans have been used to for a while. And I think that would make a big impact. Yeah. And I mean, health is always the thing that is seems to be the biggest woe for the Mets. But you think about a healthy Pete Alonso. Yep. You know, th- that rotation is really scary. But I am surprised that you haven't said anything about JT Realmuto. Ah, uh, catcher was the next place I was going to go. Because if, that is a weakness for them. It, it absolutely is. I mean, the starting catcher right now for the Mets would be Thomas Nito, as, as yeah. things stand. Now, I, I do think Realmuto is in play. I think it's possible, but if I'm operating under the assumption that they get one of three okay. of the big of the big three and not two, I would say that Springer's the guy, and then I would sign James McCann mm. to come in at catcher. So if the Mets had an offseason then of the strictly free agents as well, this is not even talking about you know tr- trade market, but George Springer, Charlie Morton, James McCann. Um, I think you you got to be pretty pretty happy with that, and then you add in a guy like Brad Hand as well. That Sandy Alderson even said today, if basically if Cohen had taken control of the team a couple days earlier, they probably would have claimed him. Um, but because it was still under the Wilpon regime while the deal was closing, they they didn't do it. Um, I, I think that's a really strong offseason to put this team in position to win. That's what you call a good free agent overhaul. Jeez. I would say so. That makes It's crazy to even think about that. Yeah, that makes the, the Mets and the NL East a really scary division. I want to go back to Real Muto because I think I want to do predictions on the big three once I finish my little spiel here. But I really think that Real Muto will land with the New York Mets. Hmm. I think that will be a huge upgrade for them. The team I think that is that stands in their way and coincidentally my most interesting team to watch this offseason, the New York Yankees, Hmm. their crosstown rivals. And almost all of the questions that went to Steve Cohen today had to do with the Yankees and how do you compete with the Yankees, blah, blah, blah. It was tiring to hear over and over because the Yankee, the Mets haven't been able to compete with the Yankees, but now you've got a guy who goes in there, is willing to spend money, and now things are going to shift a little bit, and I think it'll be very evident. But my most interesting team to watch is the New York Yankees because of the potential starters and everyday players from last season that they could lose but also the players that they might gain so I'm disappointed I talked about him last week I'm disappointed that neither of us chose DJ LeMahieu as our most interesting free agent to watch just because I think he's so unbelievable I mentioned last week that he's one of the few players that doesn't have a shift on him opposing teams don't shift against DJ LeMahieu which I think is such a a testament to his contact ability and just how good he is as an all-around player. I have some cool stats on him just quickly. Uh, he, he hit a career-high 26 home runs back in 2019. He has the AL and NL batting title. His power is something that's always been questioned. So his average home run distance is 360 feet. feet which is the third worst average distance, but he has 17 opposite field home runs since opening day in 2019, and that's the most in baseball by seven. So I think that differentiates himself as an unbelievable player. 
So the Yankees have the potential to lose him. Brett Gardner, who is just the staple of what the Yankees are. He was the catalyst for the savages in the box whole thing. Remember that? Oh, I remember. That was great from Boone. They also have the potential to lose Jay Happ, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka from the rotation. To counterset that, they have Garrett Cole, obviously the whale of a contract that he signed last season. They have Davey Garcia, who came onto the scene this year. They have Luis Severino when he comes back, but I am willing to say right now that he is an injury guy right now, so you can't count on him. Will they go after Bauer? I think that's going to count. That's going to come down to cost. Starting rotation has always been a weakness for this, the Yankees, but this year I don't even think it's their biggest weakness. If they lose all those guys, I think losing Tanaka would be tough for a franchise feel, kind of the same thing as Gardner. Catcher is a huge problem for the Yankees. They didn't even start Gary Sanchez in the postseason, basically, just a few weeks ago. So they're going to go into the season, the New York Yankees, with Kyle Higoshioka as their starting catcher. That's not going to sit well with Yankees fans. I'm sorry, but it's not. That's why I think they're going to go after JT Realmuto. Just because they can, they'll probably go after Trevor Bauer, too, which is so annoying. Other things to think about. Glaber Torres showed that he might not be the long-term option at shortstop defensively or offensively. Again, 60-game season, but some things, some potential red flags. And Zach Britton's contract ends soon. So that might mean that they need reliever help and some red flags about their relief situation this postseason. So in conclusion, with all of that being said, I went off on a little tangent on DJ LeMayo too. Biggest priorities for the Yankees, they must, 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 must re-sign DJ LeMahieu. I think he will be the cornerstone of their franchise. I think they get JT Real Muto, and then you start picking off smaller, low-cost guys from the free agent market, or you re-sign Paxton Happer Tanaka, one or two of either, and you start piecing together that rotation. Thoughts? Yeah, no, the uh, what I will say for, for LeMahieu is the reason why I didn't put him up uh, towards the top of my list is because I do not envision a way where he leaves the Bronx. I yeah. don't know how it's possible that the Yankees let him walk out under any circumstances. So I just think that that is as surefire as it gets that he has to come back there. It's just, it's a perfect fit for him, and the Yankees cannot afford to lose him. Now, for, for the rest of the team, I mean, to, to quote King George in, in Hamilton, what <laughs> comes next? That's what this is. This is the year after Garrett Cole. This is the year after they went out and made their Death Star acquisition, and they still came up short right. in the postseason. So what comes next for this team? Do they commit, like you said, and go all out after JT Real Muto? And if you do that, you're trading Gary Sanchez. I'm not sure how much value you're going to get from Gary Sanchez because you're absolutely trading him while it's low. So what are you really going to get back from him? Or are you just prepared to cut bait? Um, I mean, looking at that rotation, like you said, Paxton's a free agent. Tanaka's a free agent. You know, where do they go to fill those those spots i mean david garcia is is going to slot into the rotation and i think he's got a ton of potential obviously you've got garrett cole at the top but it, like you said with severino can you can you really trust him injury wise so 
they have some some spots to fill there starting pitching wise. Now, what I think will be most interesting for the Yankees is actually the trade market mm. um, this year because I I have a feeling Miguel and Duhar gets moved. Yeah, at, but his at, trade value is really low too, and it's been that's, low for that's a while true now. because they they wouldn't play him right. with you know because they they obviously love what they had going on there, and he really struggled to get DH at bats. Uh, as well, especially as Clint Frazier's role grew and, and all that, so Andujar really has struggled to 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 make his make his place with that team. But I, I can see them moving on from him. You absolutely have a point that his value is not an all time high. But he also won the yeah of the year. Yes, he did. So yes, he did. About so the, I mean, this, it's unbelievable. The injury really derailed him, but he is a really good young player who could still rebound in a really big way to impact the club. No, no, it, it it really is. Like Gio Urshela just ended up being right, much better than right. anyone thought at third base, and the fa- how good of a defender he is. He's Andy become Duhar their just, de facto guy yeah, now. Yeah, so and Duhar just was not able to 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 replace that. So I, I can see him getting moved, but I do think the Yankees are a team to watch because they. I'm not sure there's really a half measure here. Right. I think they either bring Lemayhu back and sit out the rest of the off season, or they go absolutely all in. And chase after the big names. I, yeah. I'm not sure there's any middle ground here. Yeah, I think Lemehu and Real Muto could be a uh, potentially an option. But the biggest, I mean, what we definitely agree on is how unpredictable the Yankees and Brian Cashman will be. Because this, you see the same thing happening in Los Angeles with Mike Trout. They gave Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, a 12-year contract, but he's not going to last forever. So when are the Angels going to get Mike Trout help so that they can make it into the playoffs? Garrett Cole, he's unbelievable right now. They gave him a nine-year contract. He's not going to pitch this way for the next seven years. When are they going to get an impact pitcher so that they can win now when Garrett Cole is still in his prime? And there's a ton of pressure on the Yankees, obviously, to do that. And pitching just has not been their strength the past few years, especially in the postseason. No, it's it's so true. I mean, that that is what this mission is for the Yankees now. It is, listen, I get it. You guys win a ton of games in the regular season. You get to the postseason every year, but they they haven't even made it to the World Series in over a decade now. I mean, think about that. The, right. the inept run New York Mets have made it to a World Series more recently than the Yankees. That's insane to think about, especially the fact that it's now five years after the fact yeah. that the Mets made that World Series. So it... It's starting to pile up a little bit on the Yankees, and you can hear it that Yankee fans are getting frustrated that they haven't been able to find their way back to a World Series yet. And so, it, it, but they're in a tough position. They they really are because you look at that lineup and you say, wait, Judge Stanton, you know, bring back Lemayhu, Glaber Torres, you know, my my Urshela ex- even. Yeah. My my interesting one to look at is: Do you bring in Angelson Simmons to do shortstop mm-hmm. and then move Glaber Torres? Because uh, Simmons is such a good fielder, can really sure that up. But then, what happens to Gio Urshela? Yeah, like they they're, they have so many variables that it's interesting to to follow. But that I mean, they you think Boone doesn't have much time left if they can't no. figure this thing out, right? Definitely not. I think he was. I'm using air quotes because I really don't think they would have fired him this year. But he was on the hot seat this postseason too. He's going to have to make some big strides for sure. And Clint Frazier, it seems like it's always in, on the trading block for the Yankees as a piece. Yeah, it does. We'll see if that changes if they don't bring back Gardner, though. I have a feeling they will, just that less money. Yeah. But I, even if they do bring back Gardner, I, I really hope they make this full transition and let Frazier start over Gardner. Gardner's a nice locker room piece at this point, but I don't think he can be an everyday starter going into 2021. 
No, I, I agree. And I kind of think Masahiro Tanaka is trending that way too. You don't want him as the, the two or three starter anymore in that Yankees rotation. But let's go just quickly one word answers so that we can move on to the craziest number we've heard this week. You said Springer, you think he's going to the Mets. Yep. And uh, you said Rio Muto to the Yankees. I think Rio Muto to the Yankees. Bauer, where do you think? Angels. Like you, you said about Mike Trout, not getting him help. This is the Artie Moreno is going after a new GM. Artie Moreno has money. Trevor, ba- they need pitching. I think Bauer goes to the Angels. That's I my agree. one I word think, answer. I think the Mets could make a pull. I read something very scary that rumored the Dodgers going after Bauer, which would be plain unfair <laughs> okay. at this point. I think the Phillies also could, be, could make a pull for him. Mm. Springer, I would love to see him on the Red Sox, but I'm also not yet willing to part ways with Jackie Bradley. So I'm actually fine bringing back Jackie Bradley. I'm bummed we couldn't get to JBJ because I think he's a really interesting player to watch just with his inconsistency and his numbers and all that. I actually think Springer goes potentially to the White Sox. Yeah, I think they'll make a splash, like I said, Springer to the Mets for me. Yeah. And then JT Realmuto, you have him going to the Yankees. That would, again, be Death Star fully operational mm-hmm. type move. I think that the Phillies are not going to let him out of hit their grasp. Yeah, I, I just they definitely shouldn't. No, John Middleton loves him. Listen, they they don't have a GM either right now yet, but I just I can't see them letting Real Muto walk away, especially if it gets into say a bidding war with the Mets with them. I mean, if Middleton doesn't match Steve Cohen and he walks into an NL East rival like that. Phillies fans, fans would, are already exactly they, they are already crushing spot. the front office ownership <laughs> and everything. If that happens, oh god. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just want to give some quick props to some other free agents that we didn't get to talk about. Um, Marcelo Zuna almost won the triple crown in Amazing the NL season. this year. Amazing season. Michael Brantley, I think, could be a high impact player. In the outfield, Marcus Semien. Nelson Cruz, at 40 years old. The man will never stop hitting. He continues to plug. And in that same vein, Yadi Molina, 37. I hope, I pray to all the baseball gods that he stays in St. Louis. Because it would be an injustice if he didn't end his career after his storied resume so far. I think he has to. And then uh, I, I mentioned a lot of guys I wanted to for, for under the radar guys, but someone I will look at is Tawan Walker mm. as well. A guy who used to be a top prospect, struggled with injuries for a long time, pitched very well for the Blue Jays this year, looked like he's starting to put things together, and uh, I definitely think has a chance to make an impact somewhere and probably won't be on too big of a deal. Yeah, look out for the Blue Jays this offseason. You heard of I could have talked about first. them too, but the Mets were just... Too enticing Mets were, for Pat. Mets were too easy, but yes, the Blue Jays are absolutely another team that I think is going to be aggressive. Yeah, super young. They could go after DJ too, which would be tough for the Yankees and the AL East. But let's move on. We could talk about baseball forever. And Pat, please tell me the craziest number you've heard this week. Absolutely. So we will switch to the NFL here very quickly for the craziest number I heard this week. And that number is 40. And 40 is the number of games it took for Patrick Mahomes to reach 100 touchdowns for his career, passing Hall of Famer Dan Marino, who did so in 44 games. What what might even be more interesting about Mahomes is that in that span, the Chiefs are 32-8 and in the regular season. He's a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl champion. He's the best player in the sport. No one comes anywhere close to him, and just a another really cool record here for Mahomes. 40 games, 100 touchdowns. There's no one like him. He's not even a question the best player in the league, and the fact that it took 
these past few weeks for him to become the leader in the MVP conversation again is nearly laughable to me. It's becoming like the LeBron James, Mike Trout syndrome, where you're so good year after year that people feel bad naming you MVP again. But he is that good. I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, look at, I mean, Lamar Jackson won, won MVP last year and Jackson was, was fantastic. I mean, you think about how much attention Russell Wilson's gotten this year, you know, let Russ cook, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much attention on Tom Brady down there in Tampa Bay. Cause it's the new situation, but there is nobody, nobody like Patrick Mahomes. No. He has 25 touchdowns and one interception so far this season he threw 26 touchdowns all of the regular season last year after missing a couple games with the with the ankle injury he's already won behind that and in 2018 he threw for 50 there is nobody like Patrick Mahomes that's unbelievable I'm so glad you brought that up uh this is going back to when the Chiefs played the Jets Pat Mahomes had five touchdowns in that game the Jets quarterback core of Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco had thrown four passing touchdowns on the season in that game. So Patrick Mahomes is literally better than full NFL teams on his own. Unbelievable. It's It really is incredible. I'm going to transition to the college football scene where I believe that we have an up-and-comer on our hands, and you might not have heard his name. You definitely will not have been able to pronounce his name, up until That's two sure. weeks ago, that is for sure. But I'm going to talk about Clemson freshman quarterback DJ Uyangalole. Nailed it. Thank you. I have practiced all day. DJ Uyangalole. And the craziest number I heard this week was 439 yards. And that's because that is the most yards any quarterback has thrown against Notre Dame ever. DJ Uyangale, the Clemson freshman quarterback who came in for Trevor Lawrence because of COVID protocol, Trevor Lawrence tested positive. He came in, again, he's a freshman in two games. He has 781 yards. He also has the same amount of 400-yard passing games as Trevor Lawrence, which is one game. He threw 439 yards. The previous record against Notre Dame was 425 yards back in 2002. So the fact that, I mean, I could literally go down a list of 10 records that this kid broke in these past two games. But that Notre Dame game, the double overtime, was it even double overtime, triple overtime? Double overtime. Double overtime. It was an unbelievable game. Notre Dame was really good. Ian Book is really good. But Uyangalole is young and up and coming. And if I'm a Clemson fan, I feel okay when Trevor Lawrence leaves because this kid can cook. <laughs> that, that's funny. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. But first, wake up the echoes. I mean, what a win for Notre Dame. That was yeah. that's huge for the program. That's huge for Brian Kelly. Um, that, listen, they're, they're legit. Ian Book, he's good. His decision-making is not always great, but he is, he's been a very good quarterback for them. He, he, he does get, I think, unjustly killed a lot. I mean, he's he's really high up there on a lot of the Notre Dame uh, school records for for ranking wise. And Kyron Williams is a stud of a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Uwe Angolale, I mean, like you said, it, what this shows the most is just the empire that Dabo Sweeney has built down there. That they're going from Trevor Lawrence, who's you know this generational talent, is going to get drafted number one, to another stud that was the number two overall player mm-hmm. uh, in in his recruiting class, and he only behind an Alabama recruit. Um, that that came in like it just 
remember he's at Clemson and that's what Clemson is now is not what Clemson was even 10, 15 years ago. (laughs) This has all been built recently by Dabo. And uh, it's, it's just so impressive what, what he's turned them into. Yeah. And he also has the rushing capabilities. I've been so into Kyler Murray in the NFL and how unbelievable he's been with the dual threat. I mean, that's exactly what Uyangale does. He also had the most yards against any Associated Press top five team in Clemson history. Third most yards ever by a Clemson quarterback. So he is making a difference in his second game as a Clemson quarterback. Like, come on. Yeah, That's, like that is good. You talk about, you know, passing the eye test. I, I, I would safely say he's done so, even in the loss there to, to Notre Dame. I mean, he, he's a Yeah, stud. we're talking about, he, th- that was a loss, too. They did lose, <laughs> yes, exactly. Notre Dame did win that game, um, but he's a stud, and uh, Clemson will be in very safe hands after Lawrence departs this year. Yeah, and a tip to Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly, he was... 0 for 7 against top 5 teams coming into this game. So he finally broke that horrid streak. And he broke Clemson's 36 game regular season win streak. So That was actually my good second day choice. For Notre Dame. That was my second choice for my stat of the week. Yeah. Was the 36 game win streak. And now we'll see if they meet again in the ACC title game. Oh, that would be very good. TV. It's listen, it's the one year it's possible cuz Notre Dame's never joined in a conference again after right. this year. Yeah. So, um we'll see what happens. Yeah. Pat and I talked right before we started recording about how many numbers and how many things we could have talked about this episode because it seems like every single number we heard was the craziest thing we've ever heard. So It's it's been a good sports week. It's been a good sports week and it, I really think it's only going to get better with here is the NFL uh NCAA basketball starts up, NCAA Two weeks. football. We've got a lot coming for you. But once again, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we are so excited to come back to you next Wednesday.